Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes! What is up, everyone? And welcome to Bobby Boswell's favorite podcast in soccer we trust I'm Jimmy Cream Trees, Trash Can, Conrad Conrad, also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Heartbreak Kid, Heath Pierce. And Heath, to no one's surprise, Charlie Davies is not joining the show today. Yeah. You know, I think I think I think I think because you went after him, Jimmy. Guy took a little time. He took a little time. You you got you, you know, you got you almost got triggered in the episode. You went after him a little bit, and he's like, <laughs> I, I need to take a little time for me. Come back with some uh some strong comebacks for you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious to see what he's he on does. Vacation. He's on vacation. It's his birthday week and so on and so forth. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. obviously a landlord as well, has multiple estates. He's a birthday week, stuff. birthday month kind he, of guy. You know, he's so got, he's got a lot to manage. He's got a lot to manage. Anyway, we got a great, great big show for you today. We're talking about what's happening in the rest of the Gold Cup. We're talking about the U.S. men's national team, some of our transfers. We're obviously going to do a preview for the game against St. Kitts and Nevis. I think it's called Nevis. I thought Nevis for a long time, but then... I'm hearing it's Nevis, so we're going to roll with that. Perfect. And uh, obviously, there's always a lot to talk about as it pertains to CONCACAF and the U.S. men's national team in particular. But Heath, I think we should start with Mexico's 4-0 win against Honduras because Luis Romo came in, or Jaime Lozano obviously taking in the interim job right now, and he put them in their more comfortable, more traditional 4-3-3 formation. Uh, Luis Mm -hmm. Romo... Coming from Luis Romo, coming from midfield, scores in the first minute of the game, 57 seconds in, and it felt very cathartic. Obviously, the coaching staff, the players, the federation, everybody was under a ton of pressure. They go on and win 4-0. It was comprehensive. Got everybody going in, in, in Houston. And uh, I don't know if this makes them favorites because it's only one game and Honduras is on the kind of not, not in a great space at the moment. But I think it is a message being sent to everybody else that, hey, just because we didn't do well in the Nations League doesn't mean we're dead. Yeah, I fully agree. Look, uh, we know the pressures of what it's like to play for the Mexico national team, right? We know the pressures. Of what I don't, like but you might. To, did to you play, play for Mexico? Play, Were you dual I national? I, <laughs> I didn't, but, uh, but I know the times that I lost to them. I know the times that I won for them. The magnitude of what that is. And obviously, U.S.-Mexico is a unique match, but you – Add that to just the media frenzy, the expectations, the history of Mexico, the players they've developed. It comes at a at a price, right? And that's pressure always. And Mexico over the last few years has have really not been able to reach and then sustain the levels that are expected of them because the it's just again uh, a, a generational change. So to, to to focus on this game. Any time that they go through these kinds of controversies, to go out and get a convincing result, to score early, to take that pressure off. And again, I, 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 I say this in the sense of even against Canada, Canada could have made it worse, but we got the early goal. That changes everything, right? And then that belief comes to life, and you start right. to see the better sides of these players. Right. Um, you, you, you compare that to the, to the U.S. versus Jamaica, and Jamaica did a good job of just making it really hard for us, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking maybe there's a little arrogance there. Maybe we thought that the game would play out differently, but whatever it is, Huge win for Mexico. I don't know if it makes them the favorites because I think they were. I think they were 
the heavy I favorites think, to win that game as it was, well, but sure. to score four early on, that is a Mexico you don't want to mess with. I mean, no, hundred percent four in the first game of the tournament. I mean, what's interesting when I when I look at that performance, it felt like, and I'm going to use a, a comment here on the YouTube's from Amy who says it just looked like they were having more fun, they had more freedom, and I liken it a little bit to what we looked like in the Nations League. We looked like we were having a little bit more fun, a little bit more freedom. We were playing with more attacking players. We were going, you know, on the front foot. And it felt like Mexico, obviously, when you score that early goal, it changes everything. And it gives you that confidence. And it gives you that uh, wind beneath your wings. You're my wind beneath my wings, Heath. So I, I appreciate you. <laughs> I do. By the, by the way, there was a comment here that was that, that they're not playing with the same pressure. I think they are. But I think there is just this little window of time where the expectation is at an all-time low in terms of what's happening around them. I mean, if you saw the, the turn-up, it wasn't like fans protested, right? That was a, that was a rocking stadium for Mexico's game. Um, but there was, there, it feels like there was almost like a reset, change of coach, and now you can go out. There's still pressure on those players. Anytime you're putting on or wearing the crest for, for FMF, um, there's a lot of pressure. But again, that early goal can really do wonders for, for, for confidence. And then that first game in a tournament, they start to go, okay, now – let's not forget we're Mexico, right? We're right. not exactly right. We're not, no matter what we're going through, no matter change of a coach, whatever we are Mexico and we've been dominant in this region for so long, we are going to show up and, and, and play. And, and all those pieces started to fall together. The question is now, can they sustain that? As we've talked about with the U S team at the youth level and the internet, uh, the uh, highest level, can they sustain that when things aren't necessarily going their way now, right? When they get punched in the face first, when they don't have possession or when things don't necessarily work out for them, I think it's a big, uh, a, a big deal. Uh, we'll see what their response is from the coach and the players. And sure, sure. No, I think it's the magic of the interim coach, right? The interim coach has nothing to lose either. And I think maybe that eh, ca casualness might be the wrong word, but but just there's just a little bit more relaxation. I'm sure Diego Coca, the previous Mexico manager, was feeling the pressure. When your coach has that body language, it definitely trickles. It's a nonverbal cue that others pick up on and absorb. And, and I think B.J. Callahan had it as well. And I think the guys really wanted to play for B.J. Callahan. There's clearly yeah. some rapport and, and admiration that they have for him. And I think they wanted to, to do right by him. Now you get this whole new group. And we're going to get into the U.S.'s preview. And we can maybe, you know, look back a little bit as it, as it pertains to informing how we're going to look forward. But before we get there, I still want to go over a couple more results. We had Haiti come back uh, from a one-goal deficit against Qatar and scored late, like in the 99th minute. Uh, to to win that one two to one and and having faced Haiti before you and I both have done that they're not a team you want to sleep on either they can always pull out a result over 90 minutes so we'll see if we can avoid them speaking of Mexico also if they stay in this form it, it just makes it more important for us to win our group because if we win our group then we avoid them until the final assuming they win their group and then as it pertains to our group let's get to group A we had Trinidad uh, beat St. Kitts and Nevis 3-0 and St. Kitts came out and actually had the first shot on goal and, and tried to make it difficult and it didn't actually get scored on by Trini until right before halftime. And then it started to get a little loose. There's some good individual goals. Second goal by Trinidad was fantastic there at the top of the box. We'll obviously break them down a little bit more as it comes to that last group game. And, and uh, very curious to see how they're going to perform against Jamaica. But what I saw from St. Kitts, they, they set up in a 4-2-3-1, uh, Heath. And, and the second goal they gave up, was just somebody dribbling through the middle of the field. And obviously, great footwork, great finish. But but they had eight guys. Honestly, it looked like they had eight guys versus one, and the one guy scored. There is a willingness from St. Kitts to do the work. It's going to be very similar to what we saw against Jamaica. And I should say this about St. Kitts. They're an island of under 50,000 people. This is the first time they've ever qualified for the Gold Cup. This is a super huge deal for them. And for them to get the face off against one of the giants of CONCACAF, that's us or Mexico, and Canada has got to be thrown into that conversation, of course. But but I think it's going to be a big deal for them. And and they have zero to lose. And I think we can turn turn that in a little bit into the previews as this moves forward. But did you see anything from this game? Now, there's nothing I fear about St. Kitts. I just think it's they're going to make it difficult for us. I think we'll end up getting the win. But But I still think there's something about them that they've just having that chip on no, there's not even a chip. It's just like, we're so happy to be here. Everything is a net gain as opposed to there's yeah. nothing to lose for them. Yeah. I, I I've played in a uh, gold cup and qualifiers against some of the smaller Caribbean nations. And, and again, there is an, uh, uh, an unpredictability to, to the way they're going to play. I tend to believe that the U S has generally handled them in group play better. You can't put them all into a group, but when you're talking about, you know, smaller, 
island nations that don't necessarily have the depth or the development capabilities, I think it's great for, for, for them and where they're at right now making their first Gold Cup. But you do see generally when they go from that first group to the game to that second game, they go, okay, we're in uncharted waters, right? We are first one. We're going to feel this out. They end up getting beat pretty comprehensively by the second half. And they, they look decent, but it lacked ideas. And then when you start to think about, okay, maybe we bunker in against the U.S., right? Maybe we sit back. We defend for our lives. I don't know why they wouldn't hang out on the, on the counters. Yeah. And, and, and you change the way that you play. And, uh, Jimmy, you, you – I, I don't want to – I mean, no disrespect in these types of comparisons. I'm just trying to put it into context or, or give some anecdotes. But when you were a professional playing for any of your teams or even playing with a national team and you'd occasionally play a friendly against uh, a college team, right? Um, right? Random things like that. It can still be real. A, a well-disciplined 11 can still be very, very difficult no matter how good your team is. And 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 I think that they can learn a lot from that first game and they can make the U.S. have to be good and take chances and take risks. Now, I don't think we'll go out with a defensive lineup like we did against Jamaica. Uh, so hopefully that allows us to have a little bit more connectivity and take chances in in the box. But as you know, it ends up being like plug up the middle, get the ball to wide areas, try to stretch them out. Can we move with the speed of – can we move the game quick enough to create right. overloads and, unba- and, and unbalance uh, St. Kitts? And so uh, they definitely if – they, if, they, if they take the learnings, they can still make it really hard for our, our, our team. You know, it's going to be no walk in the park. And, and the way that they opened up against Trinidad after the first goal – they might not do against the U.S. in terms of you know chasing points or whatever in this one. They could just I mean, have if, the goal I, of like make them make them earn. Sure. It. Well, I think what St. Kitts tried to do in the first half against Trini, and I think we'll try to we'll probably see it uh, against us as well. Is he they tried to get to zero zero at halftime, and mm. they were just a couple minutes short of making it happen. Somebody fell asleep at the back post. Good ball up over the top, and, and a nice tidy finish to make it one zero. And I think that broke the back a little bit and gave Trinidad uh, some some much needed confidence to say, all right, we can go out and see and see out this game. And they did. Yeah. Now they got an own goal in the last one, but they were still kind of in control They're They were in their attacking third quite a bit. So a good performance by Trinidad. I think they're going to be a handful for us and we'll obviously break down that game, but a big one for them against Jamaica. And speaking of that, let me just run through the schedule for the gold cup over the next couple of days. We have El Salvador taking on Martinique. That is uh, today in Costa Rica versus Panama is a very good game. You have Canada taking on Guadeloupe tomorrow and Guatemala and Cuba also facing off. And then it'll be our group, Group A, Jamaica and Trinidad. And then St. Kitts taking on the USA in St. Louis. Very excited for St. Louis to get a game for the U.S. And and, um, a meaningful game. Obviously, it's not maybe the biggest of opponents, but uh, I think a nice way to introduce the St. Louis audience into the fold for the U.S. men's national team as a proper destination for us, maybe for World Cup qualifiers in the future, though we don't have any for like another eight years. So I guess that's uh, getting way ahead of ourselves. But but uh, let's let's kind of move into the preview then, knowing what what we saw from St. Kitts and and talking and through everything, and, and maybe just sitting with my feelings, Heath. Okay, sitting with my feelings about what I thought with regard to yes. the lineup. We cannot play defensively in this one. We have to play on the front foot. And I get the sense that we're going to see the players that we were hoping to see in game one in this one. I don't know the status of Miles Robinson right now. He might still be a game day decision. I'm of the mindset that this might not be the game to risk him, to be honest. This is a game that I don't think he's going to have a lot to do anyway. And maybe there's a narrative you could build around. Well, if he doesn't have much to do, we could still maybe give him 45 minutes. And and that's more than a possibility. But why not just roll out Miazga and Jalen Neal again if Aaron Long is hurt, of course, and and I think Jalen Neal definitely needs to start. I want to see Brian Reynolds. Uh, I want to see Dewan Jones on the left side. And, and I just want to see a single. I just want to see a single pivot, Heath. Yeah. Okay. And I know that there's a lot of chatter out there about Greg pulling the strings from behind the scenes and BJ Callahan's his puppet. Nonsense. But, well, I just, for me, it's almost like the roster is where I had the issue. There's a lot of guys on there that I just didn't need to see. I've already gone over this territory. And, and I just wish we would have seen some of our younger players get a little bit of a some experience in this type of atmosphere and this type of yeah. uh, in, a, in tournament, you know, but yeah. Can I, I, can I, I, go ahead, jump I, in, jump I, in. I, I agree with you. And, and when I see a roster like this, I think about my argument with Charlie of our, our, our youth national team players being able to put pressure on, like, this is a great environment to be able to put some of those U 20 guys. Granted, some of them aren't even playing for their club teams yet, but to, to have brought in a number of guys that I think beyond just Cade Cowell, and I, I'm I'm staring at the screen right now. Jalen Neal, who didn't even go to the World Cup, but like you know, beyond that, like I would have loved to have seen 
just that next generation of players being able to step into this one. And I would actually rather, and this don't kill me for this, but I would have rather had a young, inexperienced squad really go after this and try to try to do something and Same. not win the not win I mean, the gold cup uh, and use these as valuable moments, not to develop our players, but to get them more integrated in, into this, right? We have a lo- number of players, but at the same time, like, and I, and actually I saw, I saw Hercules post the same, same sort of sentiment uh, the other day about why didn't our U twenties have the same thing. Herc got his debut with the national team in a gold cup. Herc went on to play in a world cup. So if you're a player that feels like you can be or springboard out of these, he wasn't called in necessarily after that, but that was his first entry point, right? That got him into the mix of the U.S. men's national team. That's same for me. Up, yeah. yeah, and he ended up hitting that form and going to a World Cup come 2010. His his form was undeniable winning Golden Boot in, in Mexico. I see that as like, is there anybody in this group that I'm like, okay, they're going to be able to take that game to the next level. There's some bubble guys, but when I look at what that group was and maybe there was... Maybe we 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 underestimated the the quality in that in, in our group uh, uh, for for the uh, Nations League, and that we look at this that these players are are maybe closer than we think uh, to being within that that group. But I would have loved to have seen a couple more of the young guys. Having said that, I think there are players within this roster that we can roll out and 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 get something out of. I think Cade Cowell needs to be a starter in this Gold Cup, you know, and and get him a consistent run of games. I think Brian Reynolds needs to be a starter. Now we could say we could go with Dewan Jones or 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 we can go with John Tolkien at, at left back. I don't care. Both of those are I think are going to be win wins for us to to have players getting valuable minutes like that. Um, I, I'm fine with us continuing with Matt Turner in 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 this regard. But give me James Sands or give me Aiden Morris. Give me one or the other, right? And then how can we have the guys that are maybe knocking on the first team door like a Senora? Like um, uh, Senora shouldn't be knocking on any doors at this point. Yeah, I I I, 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 I agree. I agree with that, but he's had a lot. He's had a lot of looks. He's had a lot of looks. Sendejas, can you can can he show that he is a a a guy that's going to be pushing for for minutes with our A team, right? These these kinds of guys, I'm I'm okay with. Brandon Vasquez, can he get a decent run of games? Even though I did think Jesus Ferreira was active um, more so than 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 maybe others in that first game. Like these are the kinds of things where I'm like, what are we trying to get out of this? Yeah, Miles Robinson will have his time when he's back. You use him when you have to use him, right? That's probably the knockout rounds when there's a little bit more on the line. But now we've got a couple of games that we've really got to test ourselves and put pressure on these guys, right? Don't put pressure on the guys who have been there before. And, and and I mean, the pressure should be there. But I I, I would like to see a, a little bit more, maybe different of priorities in this tournament than, than maybe I would have just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I disappointed that we didn't bring some of our younger players for the reasons that you, you've mentioned, uh, the Herc story, my story. The Gold Cup is a nice springboard into a couple different things. And, and when I went through the Gold Cup, I knew that it was the closest competition that we had to a World Cup, right? Where you're prepping for a group stage. You're, you're, you're trying to mastermind how you're going to manage getting out of the group. Okay, mm-hmm. obviously, the Gold Cup's going to be easier to manage, and we expect to get out of the group. And the World Cup's a different gravy. I get all that. But in terms of how you prepare and how you work together as a group running up into it, how you're talking. I know that Gray, or excuse me, Bruce Arena, uh, Glenn Myernick, uh, rest in peace to Mooch, Kurt uh, Anolfo, everybody on, on the staff that I was a part of in that 2005 Gold Cup, they did all those things, right? And they were using that as a tool and as a vehicle to, to prepare and mentally prepare for how we're going to manage it. Not only on the field and, and leading up to that, but off the field. How are we working on logistics? Like, How are we making this process as easy and as comfortable and as efficient as, mm-hmm. as we can for the players and for everybody so that there's no, nothing they have to worry about? All they have to worry about is performing. And so these are all the little things that go into it. And so when you bring players into this environment and you get them involved in that way where they can see it and they can taste it, I think we're just doing ourselves a disservice by going with players that have already been there. I, I just want to see – I mean, let's, let's, let's leave all that out, just what I said. What about the marketing perspective? It would be a lot cooler, I think, as a fan. I'm going to put my fan hat on right now, complete fan hat. If they could market and say, hey, these are the players of the future. Okay, sure, we've sprinkled in a couple veterans. You know the Matt Turners. Um, you know, you got, uh, I don't know, whoever else you want to throw out there. Uh, Miles Robinson, obviously, part of, the, part of the mix. You throw a couple in the, in the spine of the team. But the rest are the these are the up and comers. These are the ones that are going to really push. I'd be excited to go see that team. Now it doesn't have to be our straight U twenties. 
I think it'd be a mix and match. You get the Jordy Mihailoviches who need who need more time and more minutes. You get the Zendejas to really kind of take over games. That's what I want to see from a Zendejas. That's what I want to see from a Mihailovic. Okay, you might not be with the quote-unquote A-team, but we still need you to take over this game right now. Yeah. Sure, it's St. Kitts, and it might not feel the same, and the crowd might not be as big, and so on and so forth. But we still need you to do these things. We still need you to have these habits and disciplines that we know that we can pick up and put into the A-team. And then those 18 players can really thrive on the type of service or the type of quality that you're bringing to the game. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I want to demand from these players that are playing the, the, because that's what we have to work with right now. But I wish we just had a couple more younger guys in the mix. Uh, Kevin Paredes uh, comes to mind. He would have been really exciting to see. I know everybody's got unique club situations that they're working through in Europe and all that good stuff. But it just would have been nice to bring a couple younger players into the fold and then really give them a run out. So when you didn't see the Brian Reynolds get get a, a shot and and when you saw a defensive lineup that just got me really bummed out and I don't think we'll see it against St. Kitts but I wonder what what it's going to look like against Trini I bet you we're going to probably just play the single pivot and then eventually I think we are going to you know as we get out of the group and who we face I, I'm curious about what we've learned from the group stage and how we're going to apply that moving forward so so I'm excited for this game obviously we can get into our our, our starting lineups but guess what everybody we're going to take our first break of in soccer we trust And when we come back, Heath's going to give you his best starting lineup against St. Kitts. I'm going to give you mine, and then we'll just probably guess to see what Charlie likes. And you guys can let us know in the comments as well, or hit us up on Twitter at ISWTPod. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to It's Talk We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce, and we are getting after it here on the show today. We appreciate your support as always. And if you have a chance to give Charlie Davies a hard time on the Twitters or the Instagrams or whatever it may be in the comments, please do that because the guy just shows up when he wants. He shows up when he wants. He, wants. he shows, he up, shows when up when he wants. Charlie, Charlie Davies. Davies. And he, he shows, shows up, up when, he when he wants. All right, Heath. So let's talk. The lineup that you want to see against St. Kitts, oh. I'll give you mine, and then we can probably predict. We'll leave Charlie's out of it, but we'll predict what we think BJ is going to do. <laughs> okay. Go for you it. You go first. Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah, okay. you go first. I, mean, I, I think I already covered the back line. I'm happy to keep Matt Turner in goal. I think there's an importance to him getting games when we can get him games. Okay. I, I hope that leads to maybe uh, – actually, you know, take Matt Turner out. It's just a game that you don't need Matt Turner um, necessarily. So I'm going I'm to say give Gaga give Gaga the run. Yeah, okay, um, I like that. That's and, fine. and you know, it's a game that we know. Look, I you can't disrespect St. Kitts, but if we go out with the right mentality, we should be able to comfortably control possession because Trinidad did and control the flow of the game and win pretty comfortably by by getting uh, hopefully a couple goals in the first okay, half. Okay, that, hold, that on, hold, on, so, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got. I got to bring this back before you start giving me names outside of Matt Turner. When you say control the game, what is it that you want to see? When we say have possession, what is it that you want to see that you think is growth for this particular group? Obviously, we were very disjointed in the first game. So any kind of like connecting any kind of passes or yeah. establishing like, you know, eight to 10 passes in a row. But it's got to end with something, right? You want to see yeah. an end product You to your to your famous phrase you want to bring attacks to completion yeah so 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 i need to see more of that because it just it felt is, like a little bit of more of jesus ferrer in the first game 
finding pockets of space and creating some good opportunities. But but it wasn't it it felt more okay. it felt more reactive than than proactive, if that makes any sense. What I what I want to see is again that possession with a purpose. That you and I know when you get into these games, sometimes you get a chance in the first three, four minutes, right? A, a big chance, and it's kind of lackadaisical. And then you immediately go, Oh, dude, this is gonna be an easy one. You know, we're gonna get our chances. Like, let's just <laughs> let's just take our time, you know, we'll get the half death. chances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's the kiss of death. I want to see this team with a rhythm, taking chances at the right times and taking risks at the right times. Not this whole, like, don't worry, we're going to keep, like, skip possession. Everybody checks in. And now everybody, everybody's a 10 on the field because they want the ball because there's a little more space and we're playing through it a little bit quicker. Play the game the right way with the right mentality. But it is a, a purpose with that possession. I don't want to see it swinging around the back line methodically. Let's break them down because yeah, any, any team can defend that. So I want to see... Again, instead of a, a a double pivot, go with a single pivot, add more players into the attack, create more of that connectivity between the midfield and the attacking lines where you're talking about just patterns of play, like really clean patterns of play, up, back, out the other side, up, back, and through, like little darting runs. Okay, so okay. Connectivity between the players is what I want to see, and that's hard in the national team because this is a very different roster than we've seen in terms of players getting minutes together, but that's what I want to see. Okay, I want to okay. see our nine make good runs. So, I want to see a hold up play. I want to see a combination play. Those types of things, but not in the. It's to me, it's an energy. It's a it's a body language of like, oh, we're going to run all over this team, and oh, we're going to put together a professional performance, start to yeah. finish, and we're right. going to take like our that. risks in the right place, and we're going to punch them early, and we're going to keep on punching. Um, like that's the mentality that I want versus what I said in the beginning, which is. We've seen you get into these games and it's like, oh, it's the goal's going to come. Like, let's, let's mm-hmm, relax mm-hmm, and enjoy mm-hmm. it. And then everybody becomes like the star of their own show, you know? Yeah, I, I, I to, to jump on that, I will say that the mentality, you're right. I think a, a professional performance, going out and doing the business, making the right passes at the right time. And, and, and when there's room to be creative and you can take it and run at people, obviously you got to do it. I think for me, what I want to see is if we have an opportunity to play forward, I want us to make that pass because, because if we're in that mindset, you and I have both been in these situations where, where if you get it and you know that you're going to play two touch and everybody around you knows you're going to play two touch, then the, the way that they open and support the play becomes a lot more efficient. Because if I, if I have the ball and I'm a center back and all of a sudden I'm looking up, every, if everybody knows that I'm, I, I like to play two touch, one or two touch, when I'm on that, that when I've control the first touch they know it's somebody's coming i need i need an option right and so you you support the play in a much different way if you know that i'm playing two touch the second i take that extra touch all that support stuff is dead so now then all of a sudden i play safe because that's that's really my only option and i saw a little bit of that in that first game and of course the players are going to be tentative there's a there's there's a lot they're playing against a good opponent that's got a lot to prove themselves and, and they just couldn't find the flow in the way it was very disjointed so so that's what i want when you have a chance to play forward quickly, you got to do it. And you got to support the play. It's not always the player on the ball. It's also the options that are around them and the body language of those people. Because if yeah. you look forward and you can tell that player doesn't really want it, you're not going to take that chance with the national team. You're just going to play safe and keep it moving, right? And all these yeah. the, all these decisions have to happen split second. So, so the body language of who wants the ball and where, super important. And I think you can see it, at least in the Nations League, that those guys were on it. They were feeling yeah. it. They wanted the ball. Everybody wanted the ball, and everybody was looking to play forward as quickly as they could. All right. Yeah. So tell me, tell me the players that okay. that you think can can deliver this type of performance. So it's actually pretty close uh, to to Benny Fazio's. If we want to throw his comment up on the screen, um, not quite, but I'm going to go with Slanina Engel. I'm going to go with okay. Neil and Miazga as my center backs. I'm going to go with uh, Dewan Jones. So, so you're going to keep Miles Robinson out? Not worth risking him. Yeah, actually, uh, I'm going to keep Miles Miles Robinson out. He'll be ready when he's ready, and as yeah, long yeah, as yeah. we're in good positions, this is like, the game to risk you know, him. Yeah, this exactly. Um, okay. But I'm going to go with um, uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to change Tolkien. I'm going to I'm going to go with um, actually keep Tolkien. I'm going to go right back. Uh, um, can can I'm blanking on all the names right now? Wait, wait, wait. Um, You're saying you want you want Brian Reynolds instead? Brian Reynolds. Sorry. Okay. I'm going to keep. I'm going to play with Brian Reynolds. I'm going to keep Tolkien. And then my midfield, I'm going to go with Aiden Morris. It's actually not as close to Benny's as I as I initially. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why you're but I'm going to go with that. And then I'm going to get uh, in front of them. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have Jesus Ferreira as sort of a withdrawn nine uh, or ten. Sorry, not nine. Uh, and then and then I'm going to have Mihalovic in front of uh, next to him. So like a little bit of a. a a reverse double pivot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Allowing like, both like of them to eights. occupy space. Yeah, just, yeah, 
Double eights, but but obviously I want one of them always a little bit more connected to Vasquez sure, up sure, top. Sure. Cade Cowell. Um, so you, you have like side. a traditional six eight ten. Then you want a six eight ten there. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then yeah. and then Cade Cowell, and then and then uh, Zendejas. So I, okay. I they kind of like and and like some ability to I like Cade Cowell on the left, but if Zendejas is good there, like allow them to kind of switch back and forth. Vasquez up top, but the main thing for me is playing with two attacking minded players in Ferreira. And and Mihailovic to be able to just connect those lines. If Ferreira ends up being a second striker a lot of that time because we need to occupy those center backs or he needs to run off of Vasquez to get a little of those darting runs to just again pull players in and out of spaces, I'll take that. Um so yeah. Did, did, did that four three, I guess four one, four one make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, I, yeah. I would I, my only change was I would bring in Dewan Jones. I'd let John yeah. Tolkien watch this one. Uh, Brian Reynolds on the right. I'd go with Neil and Miazga, Slonina and goal. I don't know about Aiden Morse. I, I, not that James Sands lit it up either, but I think having one of those will probably make the whole thing look and feel a lot better. My, my, my only argument, by the way, on well, those well, two you're, is you're that an Aiden, Aiden Morse Sands. Sands I yeah, I am. I am. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. This is, and again, I'm not, not, not that we're going to really see it, but if I'm thinking about, who is going to be the one I've seen enough of James Sands as well. He was a guy that I was a big fan of just yeah, because yeah, of his footwork yeah. and he could be a center back or a center midfielder. But with Aiden Morris, when I have to choose one out of those two, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Aiden Morris and, and give him this tournament basically to see what the actual upside is. Is he an international level player or not? I, he had a poor game right, right. in that one um, versus Sands, who I think I see his upside, but, but I'm not all that convinced that it's going to really have a long You think he's hit a ceiling? Sands? No, I, like, 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 where else do you think he can push that he hasn't? It? It's only for me. You can see his quality, but it's about consistency. Yeah, right? I just think that if um, he was our our true backup six, he would have he would have broken in over over um, uh, Acosta, and I don't think he's ever really knocked on that door as as yeah. a, as our as, as a six on our depth chart. So try somebody new to see if they can knock on that door. Yeah, I'm, I would like to see. I, I'm. I wish Tanner Testman was here. I know he was getting married. So I don't know if that threw a wrench into his possibility of being involved, but, but he's uh, an eight. Also, he's an eight. He's not a, six he is, he is, but we just saw that we could play with a double eight somewhat in the, with Musa and McKinney and, and do just fine. So, so I don't know. There, there'd be some options there. And I think Testament, if you asked him to do it, could do it, but okay. Maybe, maybe you swung me a little bit to Aiden Morris as someone that, you know, if you see some quality, but I I do want to add that whoever you go with here, I think you have to continue to run them out the rest of the tournament. Because well, that's my whole thing. What do you want out of these guys? Is it to get a result or to win the tournament? Well, or they're gonna, it, we're going to test. We're going to get a result against St. Kitts, yeah. which is like, uh, that's why they're not going to be tested in the same way. But I think that there's something to be said for having that continuity in the sixth position, because I think the center backs being one myself, get really comfortable with how they, they defend space, how they block mm-hmm. passing lanes, how they support the play when you have it, what kind of angles are they creating? All that yeah. type of stuff is super important. And if you keep changing that, throughout a tournament, I think you lose a little bit of that rhythm that you could establish. So if it's Aiden Morris, whatever, whoever you go with, just make sure it's the same person. And then I agree Ooh. with you. I like Mihailovic and, and I like uh, Jesus Ferreira playing underneath. I, I think that'd be really smart. And I think having What about Busio instead of Ferreira? What about Busio as another? Uh, yeah, you could do that, I guess. And Busio could drop off the shoulder a bit more of Aiden Morris and, and be more of a di- deep line playmaker. And Mihailovic could be more of the 10. Yeah. I'm open to that, but I thought Ferreira was busy. I thought that he had ideas. He was trying to create things, and I think it really started to unlock. We started to get more control of the game when he had more attacking options around him. So so I would kind of stick with Ferreira to start, and then Busiuk maybe can come in and see what that looks like. I'm with you with Callens and Dejas. I think Vasquez up top is, is nice. I think that takes pressure off of Ferreira. I think at times Vasquez could drop in and Ferreira can make the run in behind if they want to try that and look for it. I just think that's going to give us a better version of ourselves. And of course, we're going to get some good uh, attacking options off from our wingbacks as well, which should put us on the front foot for most of the game. And then you just have that solid three with the six and our two center backs. So we're not too far off there um, with regard to our starting lineups. I wonder what everybody else is thinking. But now let's let's try to predict what we think BJ is going to do. Because I was actually pretty surprised, one, by the roster. Uh, I'm still... I've already gone over it, but but the roster, and then I didn't, didn't wasn't a big fan of his starting eleven. I wanted to see that emph- that emphasis on having more attacking players in the Nations League carry over to this one, and it felt like we got super conservative, super fast. And I don't know if it was just because of it's a tournament, yeah, and Jamaica was a big uh, one of the stronger teams, and and but got new I, players I, yeah. and trying to keep it as simple as possible. Jamaica but- had 
Jamaica had six Premier League players. You can't you can't just knock that as a thing because we're the U.S. and they're Jamaica, right? And you're talking about tournament play. Knockout games in a tournament are very different than group stage. Yeah, and I yeah. do think that we went a little conservative. I think he got it wrong, but I've also seen it go go wrong the other way, right? Um, it wasn't exciting for us. It wasn't a sexy lineup that I would like to have seen. But I'm willing to look past that if we took the learnings from that game, knowing that we defaulted to a little bit more experience to play against the Jamaica squad that was unpredictable in terms of not knowing how they were going to play and who we were going to roll out. We went with the players who have been in these environments before. They're not exciting to us, most of them. Uh, and I think we've established that. But now I think we can move on from that. When we get to the knockout rounds, that's going to be the real test for me. Are you willing to go out and win games or are you trying to not lose games, right? Um, like, are you are you willing to play a little bit differently? Because historically... I thought we were way more, we were always balanced as a national team, a little more defensive, right. actually, even when you got into games of consequence. In the group stage, I think now we have an opportunity, these next two ones, to actually maybe set a, set a new tone uh, moving forward. But I agree, disappointing. But I think we'll, I think, think to, to get to, think, to what he's going to roll out in this one, I think it'll be closer to what we're both saying. Um, but um, I'm thinking about who, who might not get the start within, within the context of all that. I do think we'll see Ferreira and, and, um, and, um, Vasquez. Vasquez at the same that's, time. That's listen, the listen, I think, all, all yeah. I know is if we, if we get the lineup that we're both predicting, then we know BJ Callahan listens to the podcast. We appreciate we you, don't. BJ. You're doing some great work, buddy, but, uh, this is what you should be doing. <laughs> and, and we, we think this is what, this is going to give you the most success. You can start smiling on the sideline again not have to deal with the wrath when you don't get uh, results in the group stage in the Gold Cup. Now, Heath, what do you think the score is going to be? Do you, do you Obviously, an early goal is going to give our team a ton of confidence and almost feels somewhat cathartic to, to what we saw in the Mexico game when they, when they beat Honduras. You get that early goal, you get some confidence. Yeah. Even, even our nation's a game against Canada, you get that early goal, and it kind of just sets the tone for how you want to play the rest of the way. And, and then the opponent feels really deflated. And it's hard for them to gain that momentum. Yeah. We have to score I, early, I think, to find that. But I think St. Kitts is going to do all they possibly can to, to try to get it to keep it at zeros for that first half and then try to hit us on the counter or a set piece if they can make that happen. Yeah, I think I, I, I think we if we score in the first half, this is hedging a bit, score in the first half, I think it'll be a 4-0. Um, yeah, right. If we don't score in the first half, I think it could be a, a – a close 2-0, and then as they start to take their chances, at the end we get that second goal. Not close in terms of like, could they get a point or whatever? I think there will probably not, you know, I think you're talking about St. Kitts and Nevis getting maybe two, three half chances in the game to come out of it and transition or a set piece, like you said, or a corner kick, something like that. Um, I don't see them getting clear-cut chances against our team. It's just yeah. a matter of like, if we can get that goal in the first half, just like Trinidad did, and break them down, then then it just changes the dynamic, right? In terms of how they're going to have to play and open up a little bit if they want to get anything. If they themselves are hoping to actually go and score a goal in this tournament, uh, and 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 try to you know do something um, admirable, I guess in their first world. Right, cup. right, right. I, another thing I would I, add to World is, Cup, not World Cup. Sorry. Well, it's probably their World Cup in some ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the, who knows? With, with the expansion of the World Cup, maybe we'll have ninety-six teams here in the next ten to twelve years. But oh, Jimmy, there right. there are all these nations feel like there's an opportunity. This is the dream scenario, right? You got three right. teams already in the World Cup. It is a little bit of like dare we dream a little. Um, and if you were way down and hoping to just get into the final qualifying round, however that's going to work, great. That could be your first step forward of being like, hey we're the first time being in the final round of world cup qualifying. It's a massive step forward uh, for, for a nation, but it's also like, again, do we dream a little bit and think that maybe we could go on some sort of dream run to, to, to do something special and qualify for a world cup. One thing that I want to add as well is how we respond. That is going to be really important. Aiden Morris on, on an individual level, right? And then collectively, okay, we, we, we got through the 90 minutes. We salvaged a goal at the end to get a result against Jamaica we're, we're fine. We can still win our group. We just have to win our next two games uh, and, and with some, yeah, potentially with a big scoring margin to outlast what Jamaica does, make, make sure we're top of the group. But there still has to be a type of response. And, and I'm curious to see how the group does and how individual players do, mm -hmm. given that that wasn't the best performance. And, and okay, we saw a little bit of Zendejas needed to have more of an impact. We saw that Vasquez needs to start. We saw, you know, you get all these little notes and, and you want to see not only the players, but the coaching staff take what they saw and then apply it in a meaningful way in the following right. game. And, and uh, 
I'm, I'm very curious to see what that looks like. So I'm watching this in a lot of different levels. Okay, everybody. All right, let's talk about some U.S. men's national team news. We'll obviously talk about a little bit more of it after our second break. But first and foremost, Weston McKinney and Sergino Dest have to serve some suspensions during the Gold Cup despite not being on the roster. McKinney banned for three more matches in addition to his automatic one-match suspension. And Dest got added uh, another two in his. What I find interesting about Weston is I don't think he deserved it in the first place. So mm. it feels like like you'd look at all that footage and you think you're going to add. I, I don't know, man. CONCACAF's going to CONCACAF. But I was a little disappointed that one. Sergio Dest, okay, whatever. I mean, he he got into it and should, should have known better. And if you're trying to set a precedent with that one, I, I get it. But that just – the Weston McKinney one, I don't know. They just felt like there were more culprits there that could have been uh, – Yeah, it does feel like – Some extra games. It feels conveniently like harsh, uh, knowing that it has no real consequence, right? In the end, uh, right. and that it is a good precedent to set because, like you said, if you went and gave retroactive cards, like as they should for some of the stuff that happened there, there was a lot more happening in those scraps than than totally. than than the couple, the two Mexico, the two U.S. players. Like there was a there was some serious stuff going on in there that you should be looking, maybe fine tooth combing. Uh, some of those videos to be like, you get a card, you get a card, you get a card, you get a card. But, you know, knowing how this works, it's just a good good way to set a precedent without there being like an uproar, right? Which like, neither of these guys are here. It counts in the Gold Cup, even though they're not on the roster. That's fine. Yeah. I don't know, man. CONCACAF, sometimes a little ass backwards. But that's what makes them so great and so charming, right? CONCACAF's going to CONCACAF. And uh, even though we want them to change in a positive way, it doesn't always seem to work out. That way. All right, we're going to take our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we got some September friendlies to discuss that have just been announced by U.S. Soccer. It looks like they're going to be announced if they haven't already. It's already out there, so we can discuss those. Bob Bradley, former U.S. Men's National Team coach, has been fired by Toronto FC. Canada soccer is in the dumps, so we have a lot to discuss right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to It's Talking We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce and not Charlie Davies. And we're happy that you're joining us. Thank you for all your support over the last, I don't know how many episodes have we done now. I feel like producer Alex should know that offhand. Uh, but we got to be, what, 150? 1 million. Right? 1 million episodes in. We appreciate your support all the way through this journey and adventure that we've been on. All you in soccer, we trust us. Wait, did we come up with a nickname for everybody? Was it the trust fund? Uh, we had the we, trust we, fund. Uh, Charlie had said uh, the trust. Um, the trust. The trust. Trust um, the process. No, the fund. He called it the fund. He called it the fund. <laughs> the fund. The fund, the which fund. isn't even in, in soccer we trust. Uh, it doesn't actually make any sense. It's just the it fund. It doesn't, but that's, that's uh, part of gotta, Charlie's trust. But if, if people, if people, like, again, that's sort of got to be uh, – I'm just putting it out there. Eventually, somebody's got to like we're gonna we're gonna get to a place where it just it just lands and it feels natural. You can't force these kinds of things. No, I mean I mean the trust trust fund really uh, jumped out at me. So we'll have to figure out how we we come up with some cool merch for the trust fund or whatever nickname we end up coming with. If you want to suggest some nicknames, hit us up on Twitter iswt pod. Give give us a follow there or hit us up in the comments, and uh, we'll make sure producer Alex is writing all of these down. Okay, so big news: we got some September friendlies announced, but not so big news. They're against opposition. That's not that great, Heath. Uh, mm. Apparently, all the European, South American, <laughs> African, Asian, Didn't get every, every confederation, essentially, uh, it, is playing meaningful games. So so we have Uzbekistan, September 8th in St. Louis. St. Louis getting another game. And Oman, September 11th in Minneapolis, Minnesota, St. Paul. So, so um, mm. great. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, yeah. they're games. 
and it's a window where this will these will be Greg Berhalter's first games back in charge. So there's gonna obviously be a lot of <laughs> we just can't we cannot stop but create more uh more uh conspiracy theory level where it's like just like let's give him a couple easy games, you know, when he comes back. Like we right, right, right. We we cannot help but create more storylines that can't just be like, you know, we're playing Germany, we're gonna play Brazil, we're gonna play Argentina. Uh, but you know how the narratives will go. We got a really interesting um, world of, uh, of, of, yes. of, of fans right now, uh, and all of which I, I respect their opinions. So um, most of them. Um, well, but, I would say, you know, passion and enthusiasm. Uh, yeah. I love them. I love them. But it's it. not great. It's not great in terms of like opponents. It reminds me, it takes me back to like early pandemic where like countries couldn't travel to countries and you had like A, B and C teams playing yeah, against each yeah. other and random like setups. And, and it just, you know, no disrespect to, 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 to those nations either. It's a different diverse type of opponent in the way that they're going to play. And, and there's a mystery when you play in these national team games, especially when you're a player on the field that you got to figure it out, right? You're playing against two teams that you're not going to have a lot of history on. They're not going to be big star players whose names, you know, on the, on the back of their jerseys. And you've got to figure out how to beat them. Um, figure out how to go about getting points. Uh, not points, but but getting goals and the result and testing yourself against a team that might sit back. They might play forward. They might. I think the in-game experience for, for, for players is far greater than I think the, the outcome of, I get it. of coaching and tactics. Because you, you, get, you get forced to have to figure it out. And our team at times had trouble figuring it out. Call the tactics what you want. 11 players on the field, you're playing against 11 players that you're going to look at some video, you're going to look at some results, but ultimately you're going to get on the field and go, where are the gaps? How do we figure this out? How do we solve these problems as a group and as a team? That's the only value I see in this because the actual like quality of opponent and whatever is just not there. I mean, no, it's not there with all due respect to both of those teams. And I'm with Adam in the comments. Do we even bother calling our A team in? I mean, it's going to be yes pretty early on in the European season. Some don't are care. probably just getting settled in. You don't care. I I, no, I think obviously in. getting the getting the group together again is going to be super important. Getting around Greg, super important. Imagine if we dropped any of the points. Not that there's points at stake, but we didn't get a result in either one of those games. Uh, man, everything will be uh, a dumpster fire because it feels like Greg kind of dodged the the Gold Cup. Uh, I don't understand why he's not involved in this. Frankly, um, mm. he got named like. Could get back in the saddle. Maybe, maybe he didn't like the Gold Cup roster himself because he let somebody else pick it and was like, "Wait a second. But um, yeah, it's a, it's they're easy games. They're going to be. I think somebody said soft in the comments. It's hard to argue otherwise. The real big test is when we play. Was it Germany and Ghana uh, mm -hmm. in November? So so or October or November? So that'll be that'll be the ones where we're going to really uh, see what's what and how the group's responding to Greg. But yeah, he's going to have a couple easy. Uh, layups, assuming that they approach it the right way and call in all of our guys. And and I do think it is important to get the group together with Greg. And and that'll probably be his first time unless he he extends an olive branch to get over to Germany sooner to, to see Gio Reyna face-to-face, -to, -face, to see Ricardo Pepe face-to-face -face and and uh, start to mend those bridges so that we can continue to move forward as a group. So there's a lot of value. I, I think I know where you're going with this. A lot of value that that exists beyond the opponent, right? The opponent's almost secondary to all the other things that need to be thought about and worked through and executed upon. So, so yes, I'm with you on that. You just wish they were going up against uh, some sterner opponents there. All right, let's get over to Bob Bradley. we got to talk mm -hmm. about uh, our former national team coach that we both played for. He just got fired by Toronto FC. Now, I did see a photo of Michael Bradley over in Wales during his injury stuff, going for his UEFA A license. So maybe Michael just takes over at some point. I think that was all. Is, is that what he's doing? I think he, yeah, he was over in Wales with at the coaching course. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. So he's getting doing his, his UEFA A, yeah, getting his UEFA A badge, which I respect. I, I, I have uh, aspirations of getting that one one day myself. So, so fair play to him for. You got uh, the USA. You got the USA. I'm I'm right? doing the USA now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which whether I coach or not, it does help me, you know, analyze the game and and I think it helps give us. Oh, shut up, Jimmy! You big nerd. Okay not helping anything you just want to put it up on your wall and your background so you can travel around the world with it and show Listen, people i didn't graduate college to, i, I need something the, i need you go to some the pyramids kind of be like excuse me i'm jimmy conrad <laughs> ussf uh a license uh coach you mind <laughs> yeah, if i uh, get to the i know the line, game please? i'm yeah. an american i call it soccer but no no I, it does help it does help it does it yeah. does help you see a little bit i got more. my b it helped i, I learned i, I might be quite a bit yeah yeah we did it's fun it's fun but anyway let's talk about bob is that it for him where does he go from here? 
Uh, he's 65. You know, he's no spring chicken in terms of that. We've seen coaches coach well into their 70s. Um, but I think the hard part, uh, I think he, I think there'll be another major league soccer job. I think the problem that comes with him is he's one of the few coaches that, that I think it's, uh, Greg Vanny, it's Peter Vermees that have sort of the sporting director head coach title that come in with that. It's a big, right. It's a big commitment. And as we've seen in this one, it didn't work out. And that, that, comes with a kind of a big wave of change that has to come after that when somebody is in charge of coaching and player selection and you know that that sort of thing um but uh yeah i mean he he took i think i think he burned out lafc by the end of his time there from from what i understood like just mm-hmm. you and i both I know bob's bob's relentless in his expectations and and demands and i think he'd burnt out a lot of those guys who again whether that's by time and the expectations over time or, or, you know, again, just sort of what that all means. Uh, I think there was a welcome, welcome change with, with Trundolo. So, but you know that he can come in and, and if you have the buy-in, he can, he can, he can take a team away. He had them on the brink. He won a supporter shield and obviously hasn't worked in, in Toronto um, with a different type of squad and group and, and, and timing of when you step in and, and build a team. So I do think there's a world where, where uh, he could step into the right environment as a coach, um, I think maybe Europe is the, the European thing is probably, I would guess done. Maybe there's a national team go for him at some point, um, somewhere else. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to know. I mean, he's got enough, he's got enough credibility and success as a coach that it's hard to think that there won't be another option for him in major league soccer or call it a national team job somewhere. If he wanted to yeah, take it, an, an it's, adventure. It's interesting. Obviously he's had tremendous success. You know, he, he knows how to get teams to, do do special things and win games, right? I mean, he's done it throughout his whole career, but not here. It, there was no point in Toronto where it was really pointed in the right direction, and that has to be super deflating for him, especially given how much experience he brings to the table and how dedicated and professional he is. Despite my whatever, despite any of our disagreements with him as player coach throughout the years, nothing but respect and admiration for all the hard work and time he puts into what he does and his craft. But yeah, at some point, it's just not going to work. And it's sad. You know, you have a guy that's had tremendous success at the club and national team level and managed Egypt during a tough time and and first American in the Premier League. Like, he's got all these incredible accolades. And and uh, for it to flame out in Toronto FC the way that it has in particular, uh, is a oh, little, it, it's disappointing. But that's like, who, whoever gets the hero's welcome on the way out or the hero's well, it's, uh, even as a player, it's right? Like there's yeah, a, it's, very it's like the way that you want 0.001% get to finish on their terms and on a high yeah. with a trophy and like everything going well, you kind of just, you know, the flame burns out. I'm not saying that's the case for, for Bob. Cause I do think, I think his story will end differently than it is now for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't know in what regard that is yet. I think, I think he's still got some, you know, some miles left in the tank to, to, to be impactful, um, somewhere, you know, he's obviously been successful building teams and building clubs and, and getting things off the ground that maybe that's where the next step is. I'm not saying that's necessarily San Diego. That could be a national team, you know, 2026 changes the desire. I think for, for national teams, again, more teams will make the world cup. Maybe there's an opportunity there to go on a, a dream run with, uh, a fringe national team and get them into, uh, you know, a world cup or something like that. If, if again, you know, 65, you gotta be really willing to, to take that adventure if you want. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I think about the most when I think about end of careers is Michael Jordan. He ended his Chicago Bulls career on the best thing he could ever, hitting the last shot to win the NBA title for the sixth time with the Bulls, and he then he was out. And I was like, that's it. The guy peaked. He, he, he went out on the highest of notes, and yet he couldn't even help himself, and he came back and played for the Washington Wizards and kind of, he didn't, he didn't ruin anything, but it just, even he couldn't. Yeah have that ending that he did have and, and still couldn't, couldn't take But then it. he so bought anyway, a basketball team and sold it for billions of dollars and well, yeah, whatever. fine and he's still Michael he's Jordan. And he's still, I'm, t- I'm talking know, about the story. scratch golfer and like, you know, he's... Uh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's doing just fine. I'm not crying any real tears here for Michael Jordan, but I'm just saying in terms of he had the storybook ending and still couldn't let yeah. it be. He had to come back because he had that itch and we'll see where Bob falls on that one. Well, speaking about soccer in Canada, apparently the Canadian Federation are considering filing for bankruptcy. So this is how we're going to end the show, because this is crazy. Uh, The quote here is that we are in a real struggle. It's not imminent, but we need to explore what bankruptcy entails and how it might affect our organization. That's from Interim General Secretary 
Jason DeVos, he said that in an interview with TSN. Now, more from TSN. They went on to report that the impact of Canada's soccer's cash crisis could be seen on June 19th, the day after Canada lost to the U.S. 2-0 in Las Vegas. On an Air Canada flight, a normal flight to Toronto, national team players, including Jonathan David, Jonathan Osorio, Richie Larea, uh, they sat in coach, um, which I'm like, that's how I always flew. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess with the national team, there was a stipulation where you had to fly first or business, but... But uh, they were flying in coach, uh, and I guess that's the best example they can give that, that Canada's in trouble, which isn't a good sign because that's obviously going to impact their wildly successful Canadian women's national team who are heading down to Australia for the Women's World Cup here very, very soon. So what, what do we think about this? I mean, you're kind of our business guy, uh, Heath. What, what does this mean for, for Canada? I don't know how much you know about it, and, and how does that impact? I mean, it's almost like they need that 2026 World Cup money before 2026 hits. Yeah, and, and and look, like it's not U.S., Mexico, and Canada sort of leading the way in 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 some, from what I understand, World Cups past in terms of the federation's participation or involvement in basically earning money out of these these World Cups or being able to extract that. I think the U.S. will drive tons of commercial dollars. I think Canada needs to figure that out. Right, the 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 value proposition of a federation can is only as strong as sort of the league, the domestic league that 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 lives within it and is driving the always on commercial value of the sport in that country in Canada, it's still a hockey country, right? You've got the Canadian premier league um, that I think is doing great things for communities. But when you're talking about the trajectory of being able to drive incredible commercial value, it, it comes down to again, the, the, the strength they've had such a good women's women's team uh, shout out Christine Sinclair, go Portland pilots, you know, the best, soccer player I've ever seen. Um, but they've had success and, and on the men's team, they've had success, but they've gotten a lot of steps wrong along the way and they need to bring in the right team that can commercialize it and provide that type of value, right? The U.S. for a long time had the Development Academy, had other things and other ways that it was driving year-round revenue, registration and as a governing body, registration dollars for players and clubs. You have to have this scale in order to build up your 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 your, your coffers of, of money that you can rely upon and deploy that, it, it requires savvy business and and also a general interest and in scale through population and and other ways in which you can monetize it. And so, uh, it's it's difficult. It's it's not just as sometimes we think that it's just as simple as like somebody's just writing checks, but the money's got to come from somewhere, right? It's got to come from the games that you play in. It's got to come from your commercial dollars. It's got to come from being a governing body. And all of that amounts into being something, unless you've got some sort of, you know, the, the, what's the guy that owns, you know, the Canadian guy that owns uh, one of the F1 teams, unless he wants to just write big fat checks to grow the sport. It's hard to imagine, you know, it, it, it getting to that point and requires a, a savvy understanding of your marketplace, which is Canada and then being able to then figure out where the value proposition is to drive revenue and dollars that can then be rolled back into the growth of the federation. So it's a little bit of a slippery slope and not a simple fix, but um, yeah, um, yeah, it's, like a it's big challenge. No, it sounds like a big challenge, and it sounds like they didn't have the right people in place and knew what the hell yeah. they were doing because the Canadian women's national team has been pretty competitive for quite some time. Obviously, coming off an Olympic gold medal, huge history making moves there from the women. And then on the men's side, they qualify for the first World Cup since 86. And you have these two entities that have a ton of promise. It's only getting better and stronger. You have marketable players. You talked about Christine Sinclair. You have Alfonso Davies on the other side, Jonathan Davies. You have plenty of players on both teams that you can market and utilize in a, in a meaningful way. And it seems like there was no looking ahead, right? There was no, hey, our team actually might be pretty good. We might want to start positioning ourselves into getting some real dollars. So yeah. They didn't, even have, they didn't have jerseys, custom jerseys made for the World Cup because I don't think they thought they were going to get there. They didn't even put out Which like a embarrassing. piece of unique embarrassing. content as they sat on top of the actual qualifying table for, for so long. So it's it's a real uh, issue that needs to just a full overhaul. But again, like you said, they've got players that are that are big. They've got a team that's successful both on – they've got a women's team that's super successful. They've got to figure out a way to create that into a commercial proposition that sponsors and brands and rights holders want to want to get behind and, and write, write big checks. Yeah, two words for you, and I'm going to steal this from Carol in the comments. Ryan Reynolds. That guy mm -hmm. knows how to print money and knows how to market. Jimmy, 80% of the funniest – 80% of the funniest people in the world come from Canada for some reason. Like if you look at all your favorite actors that are in, in comedies, they're Canadian. Uh, and so like, <laughs> there's some success there. So like, let's just launch like a, you know, a, uh, a, uh, investment fund through just funny people, uh, in Canada. It'll work. Yeah, no, I think that's Jim Carrey. That's, 
Let's That's go. a good thing. You know what? I'm just going to, we're going to end the show there. But I do want to say, a shout out to producer Alex, that this was episode 197. So we're wow. pretty close to a million, Heath, but not there just yet. But we're excited that episode 200 is coming. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, I guess Charlie Davies, Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad here. Woo-hoo. We thank you for all of your love and support over these 197 episodes of In Soccer We Trust. And we cannot wait to bring you 198 because that's going to be a reaction show to our results. U.S. Men's National Team taking on St. Kitts. That'll be happening on Wednesday. So we'll see you then. Later. Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.